And good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. I'm Tracy Morgan. Always nice to have you with us. And this is our half hour that we get to bring in fantastic professionals to talk about issues that are really important to you. And today we are going to be talking about mammograms and screening and how important they are. And with us today, of course, is the Butler Health System. We're talking with Michelle Austin today, CRNP, and she's an OBGYN and her specialty is women's health, and so we're going to be discussing that for our half hour today. Before I welcome uh, Michelle into the program, let me just give you the different ways that you can listen here, because if you're listening to us on the radio, we love you for it. Of course, that's our first love. So if you have 680 AM on, fantastic. If it's 107.5, that's great as well. The other options that you have, you would have an app that you can download to whatever device that you would like. Look for the ISR app app. You have Alexa powered devices that you can just simply say, Alexa, play WISR 680 AM. And that should be enough. That brings us up there. And then of course our website. So if you're on WISR680.com, what you can do is pick that button that says, listen live. And you can listen live. I know, very inventive, but you can just hit that button and then you can listen to us. And that's how you can join us on the computer streaming while we are on the air at the same time. Now, here's the key though. While you're on our website, if you have to leave us or would like to listen to this again in its entirety, what you can do is go to our website, to our podcast page. And when you get to that point, after we're all done, you can listen to this again. Okay. So that will be WISR680.com. Yes. And then go to programs, let's talk, and then look for the Butler health system. All right, Michelle Austin is in with us today. Nice to see you today. Thank you. Thanks Good for morning. being in. Yes. Thanks for having me here. It is pink month. <laughs> it is. Yes. It is the month that most people wear pink, or a lot of people do. And that's because Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And first of all, just talk a little bit about the importance of us making sure we focus on this month every single year. Yeah. So, um, you know, just a little bit of background about breast cancer. So that statistics are staggering, you know, about 287,000 cases of breast cancer will be diagnosed this year. And even more surprising that most people don't know is 2,700 new cases of those will also be in men. Um, so it is the second most frequent cause of cancer death among U.S. women. And globally, it's the most common cancer among women. And I understand this area is pretty high in those numbers. I'm not saying that I'm comparing to every single state or every single county, but I've always wondered why, you know, uh, is there any reason why if you see an area, not just ours, but any area that has a high number, is there any way to trace that back? I mean, that's an excellent question. Of course, you have to look at a multitude of different factors. So you have to look at the population in general. You have to look at genetics. You have to look at environmental factors. You have to look at um, you know, the choices of the population, whether it's dietary choices, um, how healthy is the population in general, you know, a multitude of different factors actually play into breast cancer risk. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the risks, the risk factors, if you will. I know you have quite a few points here, so I'm going to let you have the floor with this one, but you just start us off with, with one of them right now. Okay. So just to kind of backtrack one second. So I just want the, you know, everybody to know that the average risk for among the population in general is about 12%. So that means over a woman's lifetime, about 12% of us or one in eight will be diagnosed with breast cancer. So some of these risks that we um, are worried about that can uh, increase that percentage is either personal or family history. 
Um, so not only breast cancer, but things like ovarian cancer, um, tubal and peritoneal cancers. Um, and, you know, among families, it's really important to kind of know your family history because everybody just automatically assumes that, oh, well, so-and-so didn't have breast cancer. But other cancers can kind of group together and put us at risk for breast cancer. Does that mean if you are at high risk of breast cancer that you're at high risk for all the others? Or does that mean one cancer will develop while the other cancer is developing? So it can, it's not necessarily while one cancer is developing, another one can develop, but that can be the case. So in things like, um, you know, genetics, you know, now a lot of people know about the the BRCA genes. So BRCA1 and BRCA2, but there's a multitude of other, um, you know, uh, genes out there that are responsible for cancers. And so within these groupings, there are different cancers that are associated. So it's not just breast cancer, but it might be breast and colon, or it might be pancreatic, ovarian, melanoma, prostate. Um, so all of these can kind of group together on, on one gene. Um, and so, you know, people should be aware that uh, genetic screening is an option to kind of figure out what your risk factors are. And obviously, family history plays a role in deciding, you know, should you really be tested or, you know, should you wait to be tested? But, um, you know, most people think that, oh, well, I don't have a strong family history of breast cancer, so I might not be at risk. That might not be the case if you have other cancers in your family that kind of group on these specific genes. Can you talk about the mutations, if you don't mind? Um, and, and I'm going to let you, again, have the floor on this since you're the expert with this. But talk about how one mutates or, or why does a, say, breast cancer, for example, why would one case mutate one would not? Yeah, so um, they know that these mutations can happen, and of course, they're passed along in families. And it, you know, to kind of delve into the strict genetics of genetic mutations, that is kind of biochemistry and chemistry and biology all rolled into one. So I don't, I don't really want to get into that. But what a lot of places are doing now, ever since they've been um, doing genetic testing on the whole genome, is they are really trying to figure out um how people's genetic histories as far as like are are if they're prone to different cancers and how is this comparable to specific genes that show up um so for example uh we know about BRCA1 we know about BRCA2 but there's a multitude of other different genes that are now associated with cancers and so this genetic screening can help to see if people are positive for these specific mutations um, and so these mutations, um, they are involved in not only, um, and here's where we get into the chemistry of it, this kind of transcription and translation. And so when you have errors in this, that's where you can kind of get, um, this over, um, you know, over cellular production of, of, of certain cells and, and cancers can form. So talk about age ranges then, if. You're talking about mutations. Does it matter for older if that happens? Does it matter for younger? Is it just like, how do you know when somebody is going to end up with cancer? Is that the million dollar question? That's the million dollar question for everyone. And so we know because there are these specific genes that are associated with not only breast cancer and other sorts of cancers that um, the earlier you recognize that you may be at risk and the earlier that you are tested, um, the more that we can do to get you into earlier screening. 
Um, and we haven't quite covered, you know, what the typical screening age is for most things. Um, but that's super important because once you know your risk factors or if you have in re- increased risk factors, um, then you can have earlier screening. And obviously earlier screening is going to lead to earlier diagnosis. One more question before I ask you more risk factors, if you don't mind. But uh, when you're talking about screening and, and going back, I know there's probably quite a few listeners, and I chuckle because I was one of them, where you go and you get screened and then all of a sudden you get called back. And there's that panic because you're being called back. Now, some may detect something, maybe other tests do not, but they just want to double check. Can you talk about uh, rescreening and and are they rescreening for mutations? Are they rescreening because they spotted something? Like what's, what's the difference in being called back? Right. So there's a difference in being um, screened for genetic mutations. So that isn't necessarily something that happens on a regular daily basis. These are, um, this is testing that patients can opt into that's available to them if they have increased risk factors, right? But when we talk about women who come back in to be re-screened for imaging, that's a completely different. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so it wouldn't be necessarily you're being rescreened for mutations, but you would have to come in and have additional imaging because they found something that is of concern to the radiologist. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, risk factors at this point. I know we were talking about a little bit of the history there and, and your ancestry and, and BRCA and, and genes. And I know we could go in many, many different directions, mm-hmm. but could you go and talk about breast density? Why is that a risk factor? Um, that's actually a huge risk factor. Um, and so one of the reasons why is that, you know, most women, until you get regularly screened with mammography, you don't really know what your your breast density is. For some women, they know that their breasts feel a little bit lumpier, so to speak, um, but that has really nothing to do with their breast density either. So some women can, you know, who do self breast exams may feel like, oh, my breasts feel smooth to me, but they could still have increased breast density. So breast density really means that you don't have as much fatty tissue there. And so your tissue is more fibrous or glandular. Um, and this puts women more at risk for breast cancer over their lifetime. Um, and one of the other ways in which breast density can contribute is that when women get screening mammography, when you get a mammogram and the, what the imaging looks like to the radiologist is that it looks pretty much white everywhere, right? So, and anything that's concerning to a radiologist, if it's a solid mass is going to appear white on a mammogram. So the radiologists, you know, they're really good about kind of um, distinguishing between some, you know, kind of concerning masses versus just regular dense breast tissue. But if you have something that may be growing there that's extremely tiny and it's kind of behind some dense breast tissue, it can be missed. So screening mammography with breast dense tissue is much, much harder to, to look at um, than it is if you just have plain fatty tissue. Um, and so, you know, obviously we want w- women to go out and get their screening mammograms and not delay, um, but they also have to be aware of their breast density because that can affect in the ways in which their breast tissue looks to the radiologist. And screening mammograms, believe it or not, they're, they 20% of the time they could be missing things. And so breast density plays a big part in that. Another risk factor. Um, so obviously if you've had 
you know, previous uh, breast biopsies, breast cancers. Um, one of the other things that women don't know about is, um, you know, the age at which they start their periods, um, the age at which they first deliver, um, the number of pregnancies they've had, what their menopausal status is like. Um, so it's really about being exposed to estrogen over your lifetime. Um, so if you have started your period before the age of 11, um, and you know, most women, the average age of menopause in the United States is 51. Um, so the early, you know, the earlier that you're exposed to estrogen and the more you're exposed over your lifetime, the more risk you are of breast cancer. The same thing if, if you're having a, a baby, you know, later in age. Um, so usually after the age of 30, um, because again, you have an extended period of time where you are exposed, you know, to estrogen by just having your normal cycles. Um, you know, all of this can play in a part in, in women that actually use um, hormonal replacement therapy. So women who are uh, perimenopausal or postmenopausal, and they, um, you know, have hot flashes, what we call vasomotor symptoms, sometimes it becomes so severe to them that, you know, their quality of life is really affected. Um, so they use hormonal replacement therapy. And what they found is that women that are exposed to combination therapy, meaning it contains estrogen and progesterone, that they're at an increased risk of breast cancer over their lifetime. Now, I don't want to scare women into, you know, not using hormonal replacement therapy um, because, again, it comes down to quality of life and what their personal risks are. Um, but it's, it's something that can definitely increase risk. Any other risks that you'd like to share with us? Um, risk factors? No, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, just some of the things that we talked about, just to kind of not dwell on, but go back to breast density. Um, you know, I think what's really important is, and they're trying to change legislation, is that like only 38 states in the United, in the United States actually um, require radiologists to let women know what their breast density is. Luckily, we live in the state of Pennsylvania, and we have to be informed of our breast density. So that's, you know, that's one of the biggest risk factors for women. And luckily here, you know, women are, you know, informed. I've are had... They, are they, I don't want to say allowed to ask, but can they ask? I mean, I, I don't think it's something that we think of. Right. You all tell us, because again, you say we live in Pennsylvania. But if we live outside of the area, would we even think to ask? Probably not. Unless, you know, you're kind of more informed about this mm -hmm. and knowing what your risks are just in general, you know, most women are not going to think. They think they get a letter in the mail. Hey, my mammogram looks great. You know, it says nothing about yeah. breast Yeah, that's density. what they want to know, right? Exactly. Yeah. Is it normal? Is it not normal? Right. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Okay, go ahead. Feel free and continue. Oh, so, I, you know, I just wanted to say that, you know, we're, we're lucky being here in, in PA because we do let women know what their breast density is. But I've had women come into the office and they've asked, well, you know, it says my, my breast density is, you know, 50 to 75%. What does this mean? And so we, we have this conversation just like we did about, um, you know, the risk factors for that, uh, among other risk factors that they may have, because, you know, we're, we're going into everything else. We're always revisiting family history every time they come into the office for their annual visits. Um, but, you know, letting them know, you know, what their risk factors are to see if they need earlier screening or a different type of screening. Let me move into a different direction, if you don't mind. And I want to talk about screening, if you if you would. Um, I know you have a couple notes down here. And in front of me, it says the first type of screening. Are there multiple types of screening, or, or are there steps to this? There's steps. Okay. It's more so of steps. So obviously, the first type of screening 
would be to do self-breast exams. So if you read up on a lot of the guidelines now, there are a lot of organizations that state, hey, listen, you know, self-breast exams, they're, they're really of no value. Even clinical breast exams in the office are really of no value. And you can dispute that back and forth. But ultimately, what we tell people is to, you know, not be hypervigilant about doing self-breast examination, because if you have dense breasts, or things feel lumpy, most women just get anxious about it. Um, so what we tell women to do is, you know, it, the first time I'm seeing younger girls in my office, I'm asking them, are you checking your breast tissue? You know, they kind of look at you and they don't know what to say. Mm. And, you know, it, it's, it's more so the earlier that you can become what we call self-breast aware, the better, right? Because we know that the incidence of breast cancer is going to increase over a woman's lifetime. It's going to increase with age. And that's regardless of whether they have increased risk factors or not. So the earlier that you become kind of, established with your breast tissue and know what's normal for you, then you can, you know, figure out what's abnormal because how many times do we see you in the office? Really? Maybe once a year, more so if you might have a problem. So who has the most opportunity to kind of figure out if something is going wrong or something's abnormal or different? It's the actual patient. And so the only way to know that is to kind of be aware of what you have going on so that you know what's abnormal when it happens. So what's the second step then? So the second step is, is obviously, you know, if you do find something, so um, you want to let us know right away and don't feel bad if you're not sure if it's something to be concerned about or not. Um, and so, you know, just like we were telling people to be self-breast aware, um, you know, people, women have to know what they're looking for too. So I always tell women, hey, you have to understand that your breast tissue is going to cycle with your menstrual cycle if you are still having a period. Um, so you don't want to check at different times um, of the month. You want to pick one time of the month and you want to stick to that one time when you are going to check because you have to think of it like weighing yourself on a daily basis. You don't weigh yourself in the morning one day, evening the next day. You can have this wide variation in uh, how your breast tissue feels. Um, so you want to know what you're looking for. So you want to make sure that you're hitting all of your breast tissue, which starts in your upper chest wall near your shoulder blade and uh, near your clavicle on the front. Um, so you want to um, feel over the entirety of the breast tissue with light and deep palpation. You want to move over into the armpit because you have lymph nodes that can become reactive to changes over there. In the shower, soap up your fingers, kind of, it helps you to glide across your, your breast tissue much more easily. And you want to look for anything that feels hard, irregular, like a lump, a knot, a hardening um, that, you know, may or may not be immovable, fixed to the chest wall, chest tissue, um, you know, anything, any outward changes to the breast, like redness, um, you know, indentations that you can see. Obviously, if you've had, uh, you know, everted nipples your entire life and now one of them is inverted, that is, that's a huge sign that something may be kind of going on in there. It needs to be uh, addressed and evaluated um, or any uh, nipple discharge, anything like that. So we want women to kind of know what they're looking for and how to do it. Um, and then if they have any concerns, obviously they, they let us know. And then they come into the office and then we evaluate them. Most of the time we are sending women for imaging, um, you know, even younger women, because, um, you know, we, we, we want to make sure that their concerns are addressed. And, you know, we, some people don't always know their family history or their risk factors. So we want to make sure that we're, you know, doing imaging as appropriate. How often are we supposed to get images? So 
baseline screening mammograms for everybody across the board for, for baseline risk. Um, it, we follow ACOG guidelines in our office. So ACOG is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. They recommend starting annual mammograms at age 40 up until age 75. There's a little bit of nuance to that. There's some other um, organizations out there that, um, you know, they say maybe wait until 45 or may, we, maybe wait until 50. Um, and some organizations say doing screening every year is too much. Maybe do it every two years. Um, and so for us, we recommend age 40 starting and then annually. And all the way up to what age? So 75. Um, again, that's nuanced though, right? So if you have a 75 that 75 year old that comes into your office, she's in fantastic shape. Um, you know, doesn't have a lot of other comorbidities. Um, do you want her to continue getting breast screening? Yes. The answer is yes. If you have a 50 year old, you know, that comes into your office and has a lot of comorbidities, the answer is still yes. But if you have a 75 year old that comes in and is just not doing very, very well, um, due to other comorbidities, then you may want to suggest that, you know, they have other things that they have to worry about. And, um, you know, breast cancer and breast screening just may not be at the top of their priority list. So it's really just, you know, patient specific. Yeah. And doesn't Butler have the 3D scan? I think we talked about this mm -hmm. a few years ago now when it, when it first came, but how is that working? So, I mean, it works well. You know, we obviously recommend 3D tomosynthesis mammography for all women um, because we have it available and it's a much more superior type of mammography than some of the other uh, that we had in, in years past. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so can we request that? Do we have to request that? Or is that standard use now by the Butler Health System? Yeah, it's pretty much standard use and it's standard use by like most big systems. Okay. So that is something that whenever we make our appointment or if this is what we're doing, then, then we would have the 3D Tomosynthesis. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you knew where I was going with that one. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about screening whenever you need to screen someone, maybe see them again. You were talking about different risk factors. Mm -hmm. So I would assume that there are different levels of risk factors, um, you know, moderate, maybe high risk. I mean, what, what are, what's the difference there for you from your perspective in getting someone screened? Right. So as mentioned before, you know, every time a woman comes in, we're kind of reviewing not only, you know, their history, family history, because um, it changes from year to year. So you want to make sure that you're up to date on that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out is a woman more at risk. So, you know, there's average risk, there's moderate risk, and then there's high risk. So um, we talked about average risk and it being about 12%. So moderate risk screening is about 15 to, to 20% risk. Some of the things that play into that is obviously if they have some family history. Um, you know, more so they start to consider family history um, among individuals who are diagnosed at an earlier age, so under age 50. Um, that's a big thing to know. Um, and if they have increased breast density or some of the other factors. Um, and genetic screening is a, is a little bit more nuanced, so we'll kind of save that for, um, you know, that's kind of outside because if you're positive for particular gene, that's obviously going to increase your risk dramatically. And the screening is much, much more earlier, which we can kind of get into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, for, for moderate risk screening, so say for a woman, just she just comes in and she has increased breast density. So it's good for her to know that. 
But right now with current guidelines, that doesn't necessarily mean that we are automatically going to offer additional screening. Some of the things that Butler Health System has tried to put in place and to offer women that have extreme breast density but may not have any other risk factors is something called automatic breast ultrasound. Um, and so when you when you were asking earlier about women who are, um, you know, called back, so say, for example, if a woman gets, uh, you know, a mammogram and the radiologist sees something concerning that they want to investigate, they're going to bring that woman back into the office. And one of the things that they offer her uh, immediately would be a breast ultrasound. And the reason why that's so important is because we talked about with mammography, everything that's solid or appears to be solid appears white to the radiologist. With an ultrasound, you can um, distinguish between solid and fluid-filled or cystic structures, right? And so there's lots of other benign breast conditions um, that are not breast cancer that women can have that may cause, um, you know, lumps in their breast that are maybe more fluid-filled, like fibrocystic breasts. Um, so they bring them in for an ultrasound. So what Butler Health System tried to do was to offer automatic breast ultrasound to women who have extreme breast density or who get called back pretty frequently, right? So you can do that as like an adjunct kind of imaging modality to your mammogram screening you know, when you're getting your mammogram done. And that can prevent callback and prevent, you know, having women to come back in. We really only have about five minutes left with you. And and I want to ask you about how we access these services. But let me just ask you to talk for just a moment or two about the harms or the thought of harm coming to an individual because they're being screened. Yeah. So um, obviously, you know, women who have to get additional imaging, right? So, um, you know, we haven't even covered all the potential imaging, but some women are, you know, due to their risk factors, they have to get increased, um, you know, imaging completed. And so, you know, they get worried about exposure to radiation. There is a little bit of exposure every time you get a mammogram. It's very, very small, um, but it can accumulate over a woman's lifetime. And, you know, women you know, they get concerned about that. Um, we didn't talk about doing MRI, uh, breast MRI as part of imaging, but that's used in some of our super high risk patients. And of course they do it with and without contrast. And that contrast that they use, um, can also kind of accumulate a little bit in the brain. And so far they haven't, you know, with the research that's been done, it hasn't been shown to be detrimental in any way, shape or form, but of course they're still doing research along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with just kind of overdiagnosis. Um, you know, again, we talked about the women who have dense breasts, they get called back all the time, you know, it can be kind of, you know, mentally scarring that every time I get this mammogram, I'm going to get called back in and they're thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. This is going to be the time that I'm diagnosed with breast cancer, right? So that false positive, um, you know, mammogram. Um, also too, you have to worry about false negatives, right? So we talked about mammography only being, uh, 20%, um, you know, 20% of the time it could be missing something. So again, we always tell women just because you had a screening mammogram, if you feel like you still have concerns or if something's going on a couple months later, let us know, come in, be rescreened. That's super important because mammography is still not a hundred percent. Um, and then of course, you know, women are always worried about discomfort. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let me ask you real quickly, um, how we access these services. Do we just call your office or, Butler Health System to get started. What's the process there? 
Yeah. So I just want to make all women aware that number one, you do not have to see a provider to get scheduled for a screening mammogram. So not any other additional uh, imaging that a woman may need. And you know what, and can I interject there? Because you'd think that you would know that. I think I only found that out about, I'm being serious, about five years ago. And we'll just say I'm not 20 anymore, you know? I mean, it's been years and years, and I just, I looked at my PCP and I went, really, you can do that? I had no clue. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, so, um, you know, women's imaging made it pretty easy for you to call up and, um, you know, I can supply their number, you can put it online if people need it, Um, but you can call up and request, you can self-request a mammogram, you know, so I, you know, we get nervous in the office when women say, well, you know, I couldn't get in to see you or, you know, I'm delayed because of COVID and we don't want anybody to delay screening mammograms. You do not need us to give you an order to get a mammogram. You can, you can definitely self-request. That's interesting. All right. Otherwise, call your office, start an yeah. appointment that way. How do we get a hold of you or the yeah. Butler Health System? Yeah. So to, to see us in our office, you can dial 844-765-2845. You can get an appointment to see us um, or you can call uh, Central Scheduling at 724-284-4000. And that um, is, you know, directly to self-request a mammogram. And if we're calling the Butler Health System, you all are rotating, right? I mean, so do we get an appointment with just you or when we come in, we get the doctor that's available? Yeah. So you can obviously request a, a, a specific, you know, physician or a nurse practitioner or physician assistant, whoever you want to see, if you've seen them before, um, they will just kind of offer an appointment to you if you don't care. Um, but yeah, we kind of all rotate. We all see women for a multitude of different reasons, including annuals and problem visits. And- all right. Very good. Thank you so much. I am looking at the time and we are out of it. I could keep you here for another couple of hours, I'm sure, but (laughs) I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Talking about women's health with the Butler Health System. Um, And folks, you know what? We are out of time. So if you did join us late and you would like to listen to this program again, what I would do is invite you to go to our website. It's WISR680.com. And what you're going to do is in the menu bar, pick programs, let's talk, and then Butler Health System. All right. Thanks so much. I'm Tracy Morgan with the Butler Radio Network.